Today is April 25th, 2017, and this is Atlanta Zone, an Atlanta sports podcast. Due to being Atlanta sports fans for our entire lives, there may be slight vulgarity in this episode and all others. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone, my name is Graham Waldrop and alongside me as always is Adam Kalal and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with insight and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Doing pretty good. Um, as I've said before on one of these intros, just got back from another bachelor party. Mr. Popular over here. Apparently. Uh, they're killing me slowly but surely. Um, took me it's two days later and I'm starting to feel like somewhat of a human being again, so I got that going for me. Welcome back to reality. Thank you. Um, We have a packed show for you today. We're going to be talking about the Hawks playoff series, uh, the Braves' new struggles, or I guess old struggles coming back to bite them in the ass again, and we'll touch briefly on the uh, Falcons' schedule, which was announced last Thursday, and uh, stadium issues, and mocking people who like to make mocks out of the NFL draft. Um, So the entire NFL professional writers? Pretty much everyone. It's just... We'll we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll save the good stuff for later. That was a quick teaser. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we'll talk about the Hawks first. Uh, Exciting times in the ATL with the Hawks. Uh, They evened up their series with Washington. They went down 2-0 and have come back to even the series at 2-2 taking two games in a row at Phillips Arena. Uh, I was actually at the game last night. It was a really electric uh, atmosphere, especially once we got into the second quarter when in typical Atlanta fashion, everybody found a way to their seat. Yeah, I was a little worried uh, watching the beginning of that game, and it looked like your standard uh, half-empty lower section, but it definitely filled in. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that was the most into it I've seen a crowd since actually the last time I went to a Hawks playoff game. At, uh, against the Wizards again in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals in uh, 2015. Uh, before we delve too much into last night's game, I have to say I was glad we've come back and played strong because after watching game one, I was done with this team. Like I was so depressed about it. I wanted nothing to do. This was right before I left for... Uh, the bachelor party, so I was like, I was so glad to unplug, mm-hmm. not have to watch any of that crap anymore because they were just pissing me off. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, you open the uh, the series with a tough loss against Washington. It was horrible down the stretch. Yes, and the, and the thing was we kept just kept shooting ourselves in the foot with bad turnovers. Dennis Dennis the hell out of the series, even though he's averaging 25 points a game before last night's game. He was taking too many shots. He was one for eight from three-point land in game two, but he just kept shooting, and it was like... You know, Allen Iverson once said, shooters keep shooting. Dennis isn't good enough to say that. No. Not from beyond the arc, by any means. No. And so, you know, you go into game three and you think, well, momentum's high. Yeah, it's do or die, but momentum's clearly on Washington's side. But uh, So I watched game three out of town. I went to New Orleans this weekend, and I was just blown away. Bachelor by party? Not a bachelor party. Just a, a little getaway. Okay. And... Uh, I was just blown away by uh, the explosiveness the Hawks showed. Uh, you know, it was incredible ball movement. You know, the stuff that we hadn't seen consistently all year was back again. 
you know, in those first two games, I think we had something like 18 assists and 21 turnovers and then like 19 assists and 23 turnovers. So it was finally like we were moving the ball, we were shooting the three, we were making the extra pass. We opened the game on an 18-4 to run and just never looked that's, back. That's pretty much ball game right there. Yeah, and, you know, we won the damn game by, I think, 20 points, yeah. game three. And then last night, uh, it was a bit of a slow start. Dennis Schroeder really uh, porked it, as I like to say. Um, you know, starts out with three fouls, I think, in the first quarter and maybe two points or something like that. Yeah, and they were getting on Bud, Dominique, and... Uh, Bob Rathman? Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're getting on Bud pretty hard there. In his defense, Bud did have someone sitting at the scorer's table ready to sub in on that play that Dennis got his third foul on. Yeah, and and that was kind of... Uh, con- Just a pointless foul, though. It was. And so we don't look good because John Wall and uh, Bradley Beal, our two main nemeses in this series, are going to town. Um, but I had a feeling coming into this game that Paul Millsap was just going to take over, and that's exactly what he did. 19 points, I think eight assists and seven boards, or seven boards and eight assists. Um, Markeith Morris of Washington called him out and said, he's a crybaby, basically, because he's complaining about the officiating. Mm-hmm. The only thing I saw from Markeith Morris last night was him being a little crybaby wuss every time a foul was called against him. Just holding his hands out, squawking at the referee. Yeah. Uh, you know, ironically, he was the bitch that night, not Paul. Yeah. And uh, that was we, we did get a lot of favorable favorable calls go our way. Though. We did. There were some. There were a couple of bullshit calls on him, but it was just kind of funny seeing him just play like absolute ass. Oh yeah. After and the game, after he called out Paul, and the crowd was really giving it to him. Too. Oh yeah, I every booed time. him. I booed him every time every, he got nice. the ball. So did you started that whole trend? Phillips Arena has been one of the more hostile places to play in Atlanta. It seems like, you know, Al Horford's getting booed. You say one bad thing, you're on the other team, you're going to get booed every time you get the yeah. ball. Um, so I booed the shit out of him because you don't call my boy Paul Millsap like that. No. And uh, Paul put him in his place all game, which yeah, was, which yeah, was Paul, great. Yeah, Paul let his play do the talking for sure. Yeah, and the funniest thing, too, was after Markeith Morris said Millsap was a crybaby, Paul just said, man, just take your loss and go back to the hotel. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> quick. Better better move than if he had just started crying. Yeah, and you know, and you wonder too if well obviously we won game three at that point, but there had to be a little extra motivation for Paul and the rest of the team after Morris said that. Oh, totally. Yeah, we're just fueling the fire. Yeah. So Dennis goes out in the first quarter and we're down uh considerably. I think we're down by eight points at that point. And yeah, uh it was getting ugly. Who would have thunk it but Jose Calderon comes out and saves the deck. I tell you what, I mean that was I mean, that's the epitome of the veteran like type steady presence that you want to get, especially, I mean, the way that we got Jose this year. Um, if you recall, he went to Golden State midseason from the Lakers, and, um, and then Durant got hurt, so they needed a bigger body, and they basically cut ties with Jose immediately. And lucky for us, he chose Atlanta as his next stomping ground. Yeah, he finished the game with 10 points and 5 assists and posted a plus 29. I know, that's that's absurd. Which is just absolutely ridiculous, which sort of takes the overall value of what a player is contributing to the uh, to the team there. And, I mean, he showed so much emotion as well. Yeah. Which I, I truly love. Like, when he had that putback. Oh, on the offensive board. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah, that, that was when I texted you, Jose! <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just awesome. And I know he just fueled the fire inside the arena as well with that yeah people were really getting behind him to see guys like jose who i've heard even 
during his prime in Toronto and his time in L.A. wouldn't show emotion like that. Um, so the crowd really loved that. And even guys like Paul. Paul's not generally as enthusiastic as he was last night outwardly, mm-hmm. which was just awesome to see and got, got me fired up for sure. Yeah, we went on a really nice run in the second quarter, outscored Washington 31-15. to um, Washington made it a game in the third quarter, outscored us 27-18. I will say this. This is one of the first games I've seen in a long time where Dwight Howard was physical. Oh, it was great. He actually... He was outworking people. He was actually outworking Gortat. There was one play, uh, I think it was in the first quarter or second quarter, I can't remember which, but it was literally him versus three Wizards, and they were batting the ball around. Oh, no, he was jumping. He got like three rebounds on that play. Yeah, and you know, I think he got fouled and then went to the line and actually made both free throws amazingly. Uh, but this was really great to see. He and Bazemore hooked up on uh, two straight alley-oops, which yeah. got everybody pumped. I mean, it was a vintage Dwight performance, honestly. He was plus eight and the plus minus and got 16 points and 15 boards and actually played physical basketball. And I kind of wish, because he disappeared a little bit in the fourth quarter, that we had kept using him on offense. Well, he was, he was at least on the court at in crunch time, which is the first time all series that's been the case. Right, because he only played in 20 minutes, I think, in game uh, two. Or it might have been game three, which we didn't really need him that much. But he, he hadn't shown up yet, and it was yeah. great to see him actually come out there and kick some ass. So, yeah, when Dwight is playing that physically, both offensively and defensively, and the teams, the other team actually has to game plan for him, it just opens up everything for the rest of the team. And let's just hope he can bring that same energy to Washington. So going back to uh, Dennis Schroeder. I didn't like the way he played last night. Took way too many shots. Uh, 6 of 15 from the field overall. Had 18 points, but he only had fucking one assist. And your point, Garland, getting one assist. One assist? Was, yeah. Really? Wow. He was not getting everyone involved like he should have been. Um, it was a little... It was frustrating watching him defend, too. He was just getting destroyed on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Was un- was unable to rotate. No one really helped him out, which is not his fault, but... We still don't really have an answer for John Wall and Bradley Beal, but no one else helped out for Washington. So the good news is is that you know we let them get theirs, but at the same time, no one else really contributed. You know, Mor- Morris had a big game one where he dropped twenty one. You know, if we can contain guys um, on if, Washington, yeah, they're going to get their points. Yeah, those two, if we limit everyone else, we can we can definitely win this series without a doubt. We're deeper. Yeah. And more balanced, as we showed last night. Right, but I'm still concerned about the inability to guard those guys and Dennis still not getting people involved enough. And he's taking too many fucking threes. And as a whole, with the team, it seemed like we were jacking up a lot of shots as opposed to making the extra pass. It was a stark contrast from from Game 3 for me. And last night we were? Yeah. I mean, there were just periods, there were lulls. You know, we let Washington back in the game in the third quarter where it was just like, we're not making that extra pass. We're yeah. not getting the team involved. We're just sort of people are dribbling down the court, maybe making one pass or just taking a jumper. And yeah, man, I think we lost this game the way you're talking. About. No, it's just it's just things to point out in terms of you know tenden- bad tendencies to watch out for that could come and back and bite we, us we in the ass. Seven starters and double figures. That's the sign of no it was, team basketball. Overall, it was a good you know it was a good win. I'm not going to take anything away any you know anything away from what the team did. It's just it's something to keep an eye out for. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Is that we just gotta keep getting guys involved. And but you know, as, as I said, Dennis only had one assist, but you know, Baysmore had seven. Paul had seven too. Yeah, Bays played a hell of a game. Yeah, he really showed up. So um I uh so the series goes back to Washington. 
for game five and then comes back here for game six. Um, I think we could steal one of these games and hopefully. I think, I think it's got to be, we got to win tomorrow, game five. Yeah. It's going to be tough to go up there and win game seven, even though that was my prediction that we would. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so we got that going for us. Right. We got your prediction. But it is going to be tough to go up there in game five. You know, the Wizards are going to be out for blood. But uh, I think, you know, Paul said something uh, in the press conference where he's like, I think we know how to play against this team. And if we can do that up in Washington, I think we'll be fine. And I, I echo that sentiment. It's, it's amazing how much the home court advantage makes a difference in the NBA of all sports, though. Yes. Like, I mean, it's no coincidence that we had so many more assists in Atlanta than in Washington. I mean, right. It's, it's not just like we, oh, oh, suddenly figured it out. Right. And less turnovers. When we had 12 turnovers as yeah. opposed to like 18 or 20 right, in the right, first two games. Right. So, I mean, it does make a huge difference. But yeah. Oh. If Dwight can stay physical, move the ball around. Yep. I, I trust in this team. Just get the guys involved, Dennis. Don't be a fucking hero. Right. Um, Okay, so that's our Hawks what? report. No, I actually had a oh, couple you, things to add. Do you have a couple of things to add? Okay, oh. excuse me. <laughs> Fuck me and my shitty hosting duties. <laughs> We're going unscripted. I got a couple questions for you, Greg. Okay. Um, how do you feel about the way Bud's been using the bench? I mean, I love the fact that they're still, like, he's sticking with the guys like Calderon, Ersan, mm-hmm. Kent coming off the bench. Yep. That, Helped us down the stretch. It's not like he's just completely gone from what worked in the regular season. Right. But what about Dunleavy getting minutes over Tabo? I would like to see Tabo more because we need help defending the perimeter. But I think Torian's just kind of taken his role away from him. He has, but I don't think that Torian's a good enough defender to shut down a Beal or a Wall. I'm not saying Tabo is either, but Tabo's a better defender than Torian. And it is kind of crazy that Tabo is healthy, and yet he's not getting any minutes. I mean, I think he he came in at the end of the game last night when there was like 12 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it didn't matter. That was almost offensive to Tabo. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're up 111 to 101, and here's Tabo coming in the game for a minute like he's some fucking schlep. Like he's Mario Williams. Exactly. And it's... It is kind of confusing because I know Tabo missed a lot of time at the end of the season, but I, I wonder why... You know, he's not being used if he's healthy to defend these perimeter shooters who are the thorn in our side in the series. So much more limited offensively, though, even than Torian is now. He is. Torian's bringing an energy that I love. Yeah, Dunleavy looked like shit last night. Um, Turned the ball over twice and just had a couple of bad shots. He tried to drive to the hole for a layup. It was just disgusting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he stretches the floor a little bit more. He does, but I think he only played like five minutes or something. Yeah. but that's just something to look for. Maybe Tabo does get his Jose Calderon. I, I don't think he's going to. I no. think Bud's just... I don't know what the rationale is, but um, I think he just said that he feels good about the rotations right now and he's just not going to use them. Fair enough. Um, but I would like to see him guard Beal. Yeah, maybe, like maybe he's our Beale. secret weapon. I think he's just a bench... He's like He's a scrub now. He's been demoted to scrub level by Bud yeah. for whatever reason. So how do you feel about it? I don't like it because Beal and Wall are killing us from downtown, especially Beal, and uh, we don't have an answer for them. And if they're able to get other people involved along with them continuing to contribute at a consistent clip, we're going to be in trouble moving forward. Yeah. So, inexplicably, I don't know what Bud's doing there, but 
We'll see what happens. It worked the last two nights. Yeah. Second question? No, we can move on. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so moving on to our lowly Atlanta Braves. Those poor bastards. After sweeping San Diego, um, when we opened SunTrust Park in a four-game sweep, we in turn get swept by Washington at home and Philadelphia on the road. I think for the sake of our psyches and our 38 listeners, let's make this a highbrow Braves convo. Let's not go into the details of all these losses. We lost in a lot of shitty ways, I'll tell you that much. We did. Um, Back-to-back-to-back home runs. The first Nats game was terrible. We don't have to go into that. Julio was not on. Bryce Harper has always owned Julio and hit a grand slam. Zimmerman has a grand slam. He has absurd numbers against Julio. Yeah, no, he's owned him his whole career. So I'm really pissed at the top of the order. Um, Ender has hit 80, 080 over the last seven days. Oh. Um, Dansby has two for 19 over his last seven days. And he's been moved down in the order. He's been demoted from the two hole to the eight. Um, so well, that's why Freddie's got like seven homers and nine RBIs. That's right, pretty much exactly what happened last year. No one's getting out in front of him. Yeah, and it's crazy too because it's like we have the guys that can do it, and it's just so frustrating that they can't get on base. And you know, Ender especially. I went to the uh, third game in the series against Washington, and um, it was a good game. We were down three to two in the ninth inning. Uh, Dickey pitched well. It was just it was Dickey versus Strasburg. They were both matching each other. It was definitely a pitcher's duel. So Sean Kelly, the Washington reliever, comes in, and Washington has a bad bullpen this year. So he throws like six or seven balls in a row. Mm-hmm. He's given up a hit to Kurt Suzuki. He's walked Tyler Flowers on four pitches, and you know the first pitch he throws to Ender is a ball. And I'm like, surely Ender will continue to take here until he gets a strike. You know, he'll let a strike go by right. just to. You know, if need be, but he's gonna he's Prove gotta he make him throw one. He's gotta make him throw a strike. Right. So it's one and oh. The pitch is a little low, but it's not a terrible pitch. He swings and pops out and ends the game. And uh Dansby did the on same. On one and oh. Yeah, yeah. On one and oh, uh, as opposed to taking a pitch. Dansby did the same damn thing against Philly on Sunday. Bases are loaded, the prior batter walked. We're actually we actually scored a run in the ninth inning. Um you know, we're hitting Hector Neris around. And um, Dansby decides to take a hack at the first pitch and pops out. It's just so frustrating. It's like the rare time we get guys on, we're way too aggressive at the plate. And it's, uh, it's like no one is watching the previous batter or the pitcher's tendencies. And the guys who are supposed to be our table setters are being just so aggressive as opposed to following suit, working the count, doing what the other guys before them had done to be successful. I'm glad they finally moved up uh, Brandon Phillips to the number two hole. I mean, he's been. He's I wonder. Been breaking. If, I wonder. Yeah, BP has been killing it in the game. I went to. He had like three hits. I mean, he, he's hitting over three hundred. He's doing a good job of just smacking the ball around, getting solid singles and yeah. doubles all over the place. Yeah, he looks great. Um, he looks good. I wonder if that's going to be a permanent move though, because the game I went to, Adonis was. I'm, I'm finally on your page. Adonis sucks. Yeah, he's not good, especially batting number two. Like, what the hell are you? I doing? don't understand what Snickers doing there because it's like you got Brandon Phillips. He's obviously not the greatest, um, you know, OBP guy, but he's fucking raking. He's getting on base, and he can actually set the table unlike the other two guys in the order. And you're going to put a guy who has terrible plate discipline, who doesn't get on base, who swings for the fences as your number two hitter. It's like, what the fuck are you thinking? They were having this uh, 
convo on our number one rival that I think we're pretty close to in the uh, ratings, uh, Talking Chop. Ah. They're, they're having this argument of, is Snitker starting to look a little too much like Freddy Gonzalez point oh? Uh, I think point it's two. Point two. Yeah, point oh. The second be, coming of Freddy Gonzalez. Point oh would be like negative Freddy Gonzalez. Yes. Which is pretty bad. Um, I don't, I think it's too early to say. But there have been some questionable decisions, such as pulling uh, pitchers too soon, hitting Adonis Garcia as your Second, number two guy. Yeah. Um, also, he said there's no reason to worry about Dansby being moved down in the order or anything like that. Like yeah. we're going to let him figure out, you know, figure out his struggles and whatnot. And then yet, like a day or two later, it's like yeah, he's batting eighth now. Right. I mean, Dansby has had some tough luck. His batting average with balls in play is a little low. Um, he's, he's hitting the ball hard. It's just right at people sometimes. But he's taking some shitty approaches at the plate. I understand the move to, you know, to move him down. Take a little pressure off the kid. Yeah. He's, or he's still a rookie. Yeah, and and you know, hopefully he can adjust and, and get back into it. Um, it's way too early to freak out about Dansby, though. It's way too early to freak out about anything, even though we are six and twelve right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not worried yet. Like, I mean, this team's been in a lot of these games. It's just things aren't going their way, and they're making some dumbass decisions. Now. Yeah, the only two games that really sucked in this week. There were two, week, a couple blowouts. Yeah, fourteen to four loss to Washington on Monday, and then you got the I think five to two loss on Sunday. So it's not we, you know, it's been within one or two runs each. You know, yeah. the other two games, it's just been like offense has sucked. You know, Matt Kemp's back, but he went three for seventeen. Flowers is hurt. Still, you know, those guys are trying to get back into their rhythm. Top of the order sucks. Um, and the bench the, is historically bad. The bench is atrocious. I heard on the way over here that uh, Chase Arnaud has been DFA'd. Yeah, yeah. So they're bringing up uh, Lynn. Somebody Lynn. What is his fucking name? Adams Lynn. It's like Wellington. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Lane Adams. Lane Adams. I think you're right. Um, it is Lane Adams. Ah, good on me. Who's a career minor league guy, uh, but he's got some pop, which is exactly what the bench needs. Um, I'm just waiting for the next move to be to bring up my boy Ryan Howard. Oh, he went two for two in his first game at Gwinnett. Also was hit by a pitch. So, yeah, I mean, he's at least some guy that can strike fear into the opposing pitching and could put a ball over the fence. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's not we, what he was clearly, and isn't going to be. Can't even play the field. I predict that Ryan Howard comes up. We go on an American League road trip. That he will come up then when we're facing righties and be the DH. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. With, I want him immediately. At this point, the bench sucks so much that I'm fine with it. Like I know a couple of weeks ago, I was saying fuck this move, but I mean, we. Got, I think the move was made for a reason at this point. Yeah. Um, so it pissed me off the game I was at. You got two choices. You got Emilio Bonifacio. You got Tyler Flowers. Oh, you have more than two choices. You got more than two choices. But let's just use those guys in this hypothetical. You have one that is the best choice you can make. Who's hitting four oh seven at the time, and you got one guy who's hitting one eighty eight. Who do you want to use? In the seventh inning, you're down by one run. You got a guy on base, I think like zero or one outs, I can't remember. Who do you want, Adam? Um So four oh seven is higher than one eighty eight? I think. Not, Maybe by like so three hundred plus. It's points. not golf where you want the lower score? Or, no. Or darts. No, it's not. You're not trying to take a guy down to, to zero or anything like that, like in darts. Okay. So you might want 
I'll go with Tyler Flowers. Yeah. So you go with Tyler Flowers. who's hitting 407 at the time, and yet Bonifacio comes in and promptly gets out because he's Emilio Bonifacio. Yeah. I mean, the guy's over nine pinch hitting, so that's what he's done. Yeah. And I'd, I think, I'd love to have him eight years ago when he came up with the Marlins. Yeah, he was good then. I mean, I don't mind him as a pinch running guy. Um you know, if you're in a late game situation and you want to put that guy on first base after a walk or a single or whatever, yeah. by all means, the dude's got speed, but he should not be your first option off the bench as a pinch hitter. I wouldn't hate getting one of these guys who struggle on the bench a start as well. I mean, that's something Bobby would do all the time. Like Sundays, you put the bench guys in mm-hmm. and like get them a few at bats, and I mean, especially with the way some of our other guys are struggling. I mean, it'd just be a little creative with the lineup I feel like it's the same shit every single day yeah yeah definitely I mean I don't know the pinch sucks so much though this is like the worst bench I've ever seen on a major league baseball team in my life no it's our, our best options really chase yeah so I know we said that we would try to keep it light obviously we haven't so I will touch on some good news here uh Fulte looked great this week oh yeah two starts um 14 innings so he had seven innings in each start only gave up three earned runs over two starts, six walks, and struck out 12. Uh, his hitting location was very efficient. However, he only got three runs of run support in those two starts. So, of course, he doesn't get the win. Welcome to being on the Braves. Indeed. But I was really happy with how he pitched this week. Um, kept his composure and looked like, you know, a top-of-the-line starting rotation pitcher. Yeah, which is extremely, extremely uh, happy to see that out of him. Yeah, I mean, we know he's got all the potential in the world. It's just him putting it all together, and two, I mean, what two good starts in a row? We're not. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get too but, ahead yeah. of ourselves. But but in it's, a week that good, sucked, it's good to see. In a week where we couldn't win a fucking game, went zero and six. It was nice to see Fulty right. pitching well. Um, you know, I like to say you're never as shitty as you are at your worst, and you're never as great as you are at your best. But I think only one of those statements applies to the Braves right now. Say that again. <laughs> you're never as shitty as you are at your worst. You're never as great as you are at your best. But I think only one of those statements applies to the Braves right now. So you think we are as shitty as we are at our worst? Yes. Oh, we could have <laughs> just said that. <laughs> I was trying to, you know, not be so on the nose with it and just say, hey, listeners, use your brain. And I was trying to get you to use your brain, too. Oh, wow. It worked. Good on you. <laughs> um... Nah, I'm sticking to wrap up the Braves. I'm sticking with. It's too early, still. Six and twelve. We have one more win than we had last year in April. So Amen, brother. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, having two six-game losing streaks already this early is it's disconcerting. Yeah, not a sign of good things. But let's see what happens. Um, so really quick, I just want to give my take on SunTrust Park because I went into it after Adam. Um, I've been to two games. I went to the Easter game against the Padres and went to the uh, Thursday game against the Nets. Um, really love the park. Uh, traffic is easy as all hell. The battery is incredible. Um, all the restaurants and bars there is uh, something else. Uh, it kind of feels like you're in an alternate universe, though. i got to say, walking around there, driving up there, it all felt very out of place, like Adam was saying. But once you're... There, man, I mean, it's a special facility. I mean, you got good food selection. One thing Adam didn't touch on that I actually got a chance to look at was Monument Garden. Uh, It's amazing. If you're a fan of baseball history, definitely visit it. 
Uh, you got throwback jerseys from all eras in the uh, Braves organization. You have Sid Bream's knee brace on display from the ni- 1992 NLCS. Um, all the Braves Hall of Fame plaques are there from players to announcers to coaches. Um, you got the World Series trophy. You can walk through it at your own pace. It's not guided. You're not preached at, which I really appreciate because I like learning about things or viewing things at my own pace. Um, you have quotes from Hank Aaron, Chipper, Eddie Matthews, guys like that, plastered all over the place. Um, you got a little waterfall, water fountain there. Um, it was a really special place, and uh, I definitely felt like my seats were closer to the action at all at both times I went. I sat uh, first base side uh, in foul ground, and I sat in the outfield, and I was just like, this is a fucking baseball park right here. And I could tell, too, just looking out at the stadium. It definitely feels smaller than Turner Field, but you can tell just the way the design is. Like, this is more of a baseball park. I kind of like the uniformity with dimensions with Turner Field, but... SunTrust, man. I mean, once I got over my... When I first walked in there, I was just like, I don't know what to think. I was overwhelmed. But once I yeah, actually no, sat down... Odd feeling. Yeah, once I sat down and started watching the game... You get it. Yeah, I get it. Does it feel like home? Like their slogan, welcome home. It did more so in the second game than in the first game. The okay. first game was an out-of-body experience. So okay. I couldn't so process it. I need to go back then. Yeah, once you go back, you're, you're, you're good. I have my bearings a little bit yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely think we need to hit up the battery, though, as I'll tell you. I went there the, for the second game and didn't go to the first game. You got bars all over the place. You got Antico Pizza right there, best pizza in, pizza in Atlanta. Um, it was fucking wild, man. It was like a... <laughs> what did you do there? I just walked around. It was so crowded, I couldn't even get a drink. There's so many people at the bars. Oh, I don't like that, though. But you could have gotten a drink at this place called the, uh, the Bridge Bar, which was just like there's a bridge that overlooks the battery. Yeah. And they, they're just selling beer right now. They're not selling liquor. And me being a liquor guy, I couldn't get liquor sure, there. But, yeah, uh, they said they're going to have it eventually. Okay. But there's only like three guys there. You can just get your beer. Well, you have to have liquor, man. Yeah, I pretty much said that. And she was like, we don't have it yet. And I was like, where are you going to You just it? lost yourself a customer. <laughs> but um, it was cool. No, you can just get a beer and just walk around and just look at all these places. And there's so many places that aren't even open yet. I mean, it's its own, like, it's like a mini city. Yeah, aren't they opening up, like, 30 more? Something like, like that. Yeah. Dude, it's like a fucking mini city. I mean, definitely something that'll be a year-long attraction. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking mini city with a stadium. It's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, definitely enjoyed it. And, uh, funny story is, uh, so the first we'll game... We'll be I, the judge of that. Yeah, we'll be the, yeah, the listeners and Adam will be the judge of that. So the first game we went to uh, was with my girlfriend, Alexa, first on-air shout-out. And um, the way they mark your sections is confusing to me. I think we sat in, like, section 147, but it set it on two different areas. So it had number 147 on the left and also had 147 on the right, but it was, like, two different sections. Yeah, because there's the two same. sets of stairs you can go down that's, the right or left. That's fine. Yeah, that's pretty standard uh, marking. I've never seen that before, so I was very perplexed. And, um, or if I have, I'm just an idiot and I didn't realize it. Um, there's only one option for that. So we felt like we went to 147. Yeah. And, uh, so we walked down the aisles and started to think, well, fuck, which side is 147? Because we saw it on both sides. I'm like, yeah. And, um, so we think we're going to the right seat and we tell this family who we think is in our seats to fuck off. Basically you're in our seats. (laughs) And so they get up and walk away and then, um, Oh, so they just assumed that... They assumed we were right. the authority? Yeah. They assumed we were right. You, you know. When you tell somebody to bugger off. 
We didn't really sit, tell him to fuck off, but we said, I think you're Excuse in our... Excuse me. Excuse me, I think you're in our seats. we section, actually. Section. See, look at this ticket on 147. Yeah. This is my girlfriend, Alexa. Yeah, I was like... And then he just gets up and walks away with his family. And then we realized, well, fuck, that you're the asshole. We actually looked... We actually just... Then we went to an usher, I think. I can't remember. We, we, we found out eventually that, oh, shit, we're in the wrong seat. And so then we go over to the family and find them and say, guys, we're sorry. We uh, actually made Alexa go do it. And she was, uh, <laughs> and she told them that we're in the wrong seat. I said, I'm sorry. And this guy Did looked. she tell you to man up and go do it yourself? No, she, she actually took initiative. Yeah. I didn't tell her to do it. Okay. But that's just the kind of gal she is. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and then this guy looks at us like, are you fucking kidding me? He didn't really? say anything, but he was oh. just like, because he had just sat down. Yeah. He's like. You know, I can tell he's like just getting ready to go off, and we just say, I'm like, sorry. sorry. And then we just walk away and we find our seats. Luckily, we didn't have to sit next to them or anything. That's unfortunate. Um, so we scampered away and finally found our seats. But uh, hell of a park. If you haven't gone out there yet, uh, definitely figure out a way to do that. Um, the team might not be quality, but the stadium definitely is. I feel like the Braves paid you some money to love them that much. No, I mean, I was skeptical. Honestly, I mean... So you're not going to be a Turner Field snob? I love Turner Field. It is my home and my heart, but I have to accept where we're at now, and I've accepted a lot faster than I thought I would. It, it feels like this is our park, this is our place, and I'm ready to rock. I mean, okay. go there the second time, and I think you'll feel yeah. you might okay. feel the same way. Um, so moving on to our Falcons report... Which is going to be a little brief, just because there's not much going on, other than the schedule. So the funniest thing is is that in all my life of watching football and looking at schedules and overanalyzing, being one of those guys who overanalyzes, I have never seen a schedule where we do not play a divisional game until week nine in the season when we play Carolina. Up until that point, we're playing Chicago, Green Bay, Detroit, Buffalo, Miami, New England, the Jets, and then... Carolina, and then we, and then it's pretty much from there. It's, I mean, I tell you what. Well, a looking at the schedule for the first time, it sucks we have our bye week, week five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's gonna be a hell of an exciting finish, finishing with the Saints, Bucks, Saints, Panthers. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean really, they do that for the excitement factor. I think it's, they did. It's, no, they. I mean, it's going to be coming down to the division, and then you got all those division right. games at the end. So but it's like going to be everyone's in it till the end. Yeah, it's going to be crazy to go through the first eight weeks of the season, and you're like, well, I don't even know how I'm going to fare against my division. Right. I mean, you might know because one of the teams sucks or is really good or whatever, but you know, the NFC South is always a toss up. It's one of those wild card divisions in in the NFL, and Shit, it's going to be really interesting to see come week nine when we play against Carolina where everybody's at. And I looked at everyone else's schedule in the division. Yeah, it's not until November. That puts it in perspective, too. Yeah, it's not until November. November 5th is when we play Carolina. That's our first division game. And I looked at the schedule uh, when it came out, and for the other teams, I think there's only one other NFC South game in the first, like, eight weeks of the season. So everybody's going to be fighting tooth and nail at the end to try and win that division if they're uh, even if they're just doing respectable. So that's pretty wild. Um, we're not going to make any crazy predictions. It's fucking stupid to do that. I defy anyone who does that at this point because... Yeah, we, don't, we, we don't even know who we're drafting. We don't even know who we're drafting yet. 
I think you know the NFL just does this to get us talking about this shit, and clearly they've succeeded with our uh, with our asses as well. But we are we're going to resist the temptation to go through this motherfucker and actually predict things because it's 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 just pointless to do that unless a lot of our loyal viewers request it, then we'll do anything. Oh yeah, we'll do anything for yeah. it. But in our own personal humble opinions, it is fruitless to do so. Indeed. So we're playing the NFC North. That's Chicago, Green Bay, Detroit, who we actually play in the first three weeks of the season in Minnesota in Week 13. We're playing the AFC East, which is Buffalo, Miami, New York, and New England. And we play them all back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. And so the Week 7 game is against the Patriots, which is a rematch of the Super Bowl. Thank God they didn't start us with that, though. That would have sucked. New England's playing Kansas City to start off the season. At New England, we would have lost, and then... Everybody would have freaked out. Yeah. So could be a whole deal. Yeah, the schedule is out, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. So look at it at your own pleasure. Yeah, and of course we play the NFC South opponents. You guys know who that is. If you don't, I don't know why the hell you're listening to the show. Yes, this is too deep if you don't know that. Yeah. Um, Unless you're strictly an Atlanta United fan and you're just waiting on us to touch on that again. Not yet. Which we're not ready for. Not yet. We're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. Um. So the draft is in two days. Um, I'm not we, really a draft guy myself. I'm not really a draft guy. Especially either. now that they spread it out over four days. Well, I think the problem is with the draft is that you know you got usually the first one to five picks are dead accurate for the most part from all these projections, all yeah. this bullshit. Um, but after that, it's a crapshoot. No one knows what's going to happen. It could be trades. Yeah, it could be trades. There could be. You know, a team scouts another player that the press didn't hear about, blah, blah, blah. Guy, you know, get, guy gets busted for drugs, like happened today. Just oh, yeah. Your standard stuff. Uh, Jabril Peppers, right? Had yeah. a uh, bad urine sample. So he's going to go back to JUCO, end up playing a year with Alabama, and he'll be back in two years. Yeah. But, yeah, shit like that happens. So, I mean, it's, it's really pointless to really get into these mock drafts because they're all inaccurate and they're all full of shit. And then the day after the draft's over, Mel Kuyper and – all those other guys post like, oh, here's the big board for the uh, next year's draft, and it's only one day after the, the fucking draft happened this year. And it's just kind of like, you know, the hype that people have to build up for things is is just ridiculous. I mean, 24-hour sports network, what are you going to talk about? I don't need to hear that shit. I don't give a goddamn about who's going to be drafted next year. I'm focused on the present. Yeah. I'll buy it. But that's just what they do. Yeah, I mean, Mel no. Kuyper's a fucking expert. It makes money. Yeah. Um, so it's, I just think it's kind of funny that there's always mock draft bullshit going on all the time, every day from everyone. I will say all I want from the Falcons, get me a good guard, get me another defensive end to compliment Vic Beasley, and give me another linebacker. Everything else, do what you got to do, Thomas. But give me those three things in this draft. Should we go check and see what Mel Kuyper thinks we're getting real quick? I don't want to, but if you want to, I will. No, I don't want to either. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and then another news, uh, the Atlanta United, we'll touch on them briefly, actually. Oh, yeah? For those interested in Atlanta United. I was not aware. I was not either, but uh, it really concerns the Falcons more than Atlanta United. Ah. So the, uh, the great anus, as I like to call it, the... Roof that adorns our soon-to-be Mercedes-Benz Dome or Stadium or whatever the hell they're calling it. I think it. it's Stadium, but people I, keep calling it the Dome. Well, it's just because everyone's stop. preconditioned to the Georgia Dome. Did you, you hear Arthur's turning the Dome into a park? 
I did not hear about that. Please yeah. inform me. No, so I figured it would be a parking lot. But, um, yeah, he's going to keep the land and turn it into a beautiful park for the city of Atlanta. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. No, it's pretty great. Arthur, Arthur I, Blank's the man. Arthur Blank is the man. I'm, I'm glad that the, the ground where the dome is is uh, going to serve a purpose. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, yes, the roof, or the Great Ennis, as I like to call it, is having issues opening and closing, causing the stadium to be behind schedule. and so Or backed up. Yeah, so a lot of, I think there were three Atlanta United games that were bumped that the stadium was supposed to be prepared for. Yep. So game, so those games have been bumped to Bobby Dodd. Um, which isn't the end of the world. Which isn't the end of the world, but, you know, someone brought this up. I can't remember who it was, but it's kind of like Atlanta United's getting shit on a little bit, they feel like, because it's like, well, Mercedes-Benz Dome, sorry. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium is the home <laughs> of both the Falcons and Atlanta United. And, uh, hey, they're the new kids on the block. They can deal with it. Exactly. And really, the stadium was built for football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great that we have the soccer team now. We would not be building this stadium for, strictly for Atlanta United. Yeah. If Atlanta United wasn't here, the stadium would get built no matter what because the Falcons are the fucking Falcons. Um, but yeah, it's apparently been delayed, so it should be ready for the August 26th game. I would be surprised if I, it is. Against Arizona. There have been so many delays with the stadium, though, that they are not going to destroy the Georgia Dome and make it into that beautiful park yeah. that I mentioned <laughs> until they're ready. They are frantically re-screwing in seats in the Georgia Dome as we speak. I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing I mean, so. they already had a company coming in and dismantling the damn place. The Dome? Yeah. So it's already well, destroyed. A, a company comes in that sells off the seats. Yeah. Sells off all, like, I mean, all the equipment inside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're just going to turn some of those sections into standing room where the Falcons are playing there the first week. Jesus. Yeah. No. Oh, you think if they're playing at the Dome? Yeah. Dude, imagine... They sold off the seats already. Imagine how pissed people would be, those those poor bastards out there who have ponied up for the PSL, which I think is horse shit and I refuse they, to do. They'll give them something for it. They'll give them something for it. But imagine how upset you would be if you had dropped all that money down and said... I'm investing in this team fiscally so much to the point where I'm going to pay for the right to sit in the fucking seat. And then I'm going to pay for the tickets. Yeah. And then that seat turns out to be like a lawn chair in the Georgia Dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so we'll, you know, until I know they made an announcement and said, yeah, August 26th, it's going to be ready for the Falcons. Um, well, you, you got the damn Alabama, um, it's apparently going to be ready for those college games, the kickoff college games, but I think they said the dome... Uh, I think they're going to be more screwed if they don't get it ready for those. Yes. Uh, they said the roof's going to be closed, I think, for those games. Oh, so it will at least close? But it's got to pass inspection, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think the whole thing's up in the air. And I know they have a damn crane on the field, and they can't figure out how to get that off either. Right. Until we get closer, I just don't know. I'm not going to say... it. There's no prediction to be made until we know what the hell is going to happen. Right. Well, of course, you can say that about any prediction. Every prediction is bullshit until yeah. you know it's going to be happening, so I'm kind of fucking myself there. But what I am saying is is that pretty much I will believe that the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is ready when it's ready. So that's your mock draft. That's my mock draft stadium. prediction. My mock draft stadium prediction is that I will believe it when the Falcons are playing in there and the motherfucking great anus can go back and forth, back and forth. You know this thing's $100 million over budget? Poor Arthur. Poor us. 
Arthur's not paying that out of pocket. Oh, yeah, he's paying the majority of it. Uh, we'll be paying a lot of it ourselves. $100 think, million I, over budget. I think it's $200 million and the hotel tax, and then it's like $800 million for Arthur. So I guess, I don't know what if he's... What about the other $100 million? I don't know if that's coming out of our pockets or Arthur's, but I just pay my taxes, so... <laughs> Peace! <laughs> wait till next year. Yeah, wait till next year. Um, so that's our Falcons report. Um, not a heck of a lot going on there. More substance than I thought, though. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to do a new segment for you. and We have no topic of the week, so we're going to do our... Um, Adam and I are basically going to select one hero of the week and one bedwetter of the week. The hero is obviously the man who showed up and performed. The bedwetter is the prepubescent child who wet himself and then wrapped himself in the swaddling blankets of urine and decided to curl up and didn't know what to do with himself. Wow. <laughs> Graham's quite proud of himself for that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> as he should be. Adam, who's your hero of the week? My hero of the week is the one and only Jose Calderon. This is the guy that I bet a majority of people didn't even realize that we had on the roster anymore. Um, and he came in, and when things were looking pretty bleak yesterday, when Dennis went out and just gave us some unbelievable minutes, showed some unbelievable. Passion and I mean ten points, five assists from that guy. That's just, I mean that's just extra. Like, we don't, were, don't forget about that plus twenty nine. Yeah, and the plus twenty nine. Um, yeah, and just the passion. I'm a sucker for a guy showing passion like that. Um, Pete Oresk type of passion. Yeah, he definitely energized the team out there. I think if he doesn't come in and play like he did, we possibly lose that game. And we're down three one. Yep. So that's my hero of the week. I will say mine is Paul Millsap. This can probably be a, an, Every uh, week. an obvious answer. But let's just face it. I mean, the guy has balled out of his mind. Almost, he flirted with a triple-double last night. Scored 29 points, I believe, in the game before. Um, it's consistently been our rock all season, even through the dark times. Um, there's not much more to say about Paul. He made one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. Last night, that was he absurd. Got the was an offensive board. Yep. Got the offensive board. Comes down, gets fouled, is falling, throws it up, and the ball goes in the goal. Like he literally shot it when he was almost on his back. I mean, it was out of this world amazing. He's the leader of that team emotionally. He's the leader of that team on the court. He leads by example. He doesn't bitch. He shows up and plays the game. He's the kind of guy that you can rally around because of the example he sets for the rest of the team. And I gravitate and love players to do that because I hate prima donnas, I hate bitchers, I hate whiners. Just shut up and play, and that's Paul Millsap. And he's done it during the regular season. He's done that during his entire Hawks tenure, and he did it last night. And he is my hero of the week. Another strong, another strong statement there. Indeed. Um, Adam, who's your bedwetter of the week? My bedwetter? Or um, the GOAT, if you will, um, is it's a collective effort. Um, just all of the Braves pinch hitters, every single one of them, I, I, get, I suppose minus um, this Lane Adams fellow. Yeah, he hasn't had a chance He hasn't yet. had a chance to prove me wrong yet. Um, so th- this crew is hitting a collective 074. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty ugly. Um I mean, I could slap a bunt down and maybe sprint one out eventually. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that was two for 27 with two walks and 11 Ks. Uh, if they've had any opportunity to win a game, they've disappointed us. And truly is one of the worst benches in the history right now. And uh, making Copy look a little bad right now for just rolling the dice and thinking this is going to work. I think the problem with the benches, too, they're all so similar players. I mean, you got Chase Tarnow, Jace Peterson, Bonifacio. Yeah, versatility is good, but you got to have somebody who can hit it over the fence, too. Yeah, you need your power guy off the bench, and it's just a bunch of guys who can maybe make contact. I mean, Jace is clearly the, clearly the best bench player we have, but the other guys are just so for shit that... Yeah. I mean, we got three catchers, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, that, what, who, who the hell sad. is Anthony Wrecker? Right. I well, mean, I, I like it. I mean, at least the guy's got a little pop in his bat. I guess. I take him over Bonifacio. He's never going to be used just no. because for depth. So well, like, he's just there because Tyler Flowers is our only option as a pitch hitter. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. It's a good selection. Thank you. My bedwetter of the week is none other than Ian Kroll, who I believe needs to be demoted immediately. Um, wasn't, take, wasn't he the guy in our preview who I said would be one of the best and most reliable arms in the pen? I believe you said O'Flaherty would, and I'm beginning to wonder how much he has left. At okay. This point. <laughs> but Krull has been worse. Krull has been worse. This week, he pitched 2.1 innings. How many runs do you think he gave up, Adam? Seven. Six. He gave up six runs, two homers, two walks. And he gave up five hits through 2.1 innings pitched. He hasn't been very good all year. He's had a couple of decent outings, but for the most part, I mean, I'm sorry. When you've given up through eight games and you've given up seven innings, when you've gone seven innings, given up nine hits with nine earned runs, you fucking suck. I'm sorry. Like, that, that is a piss-poor stat line. I don't care how early in the season it is. That is enough for me to just see he's... I mean, awful. he had one outing where he just got completely shelled, though, right? Yes, that was the Washington game, um, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday against um, when Tehran got destroyed. So, I mean, everybody played like shit that yeah. night. But, you know, he was also the guy on opening day who didn't pitch well. Um, no, he had a piss-poor week. I, I'm, yeah, know, overall, he had a just... Completely a, valid with the selection. A god-awful week. I mean, if you, you know, he has a 23.14 ERA in his last seven days. Well, I mean, that puts, that's all you needed to say. Yeah, I mean, it's been ugly. Um, you hope you can turn it around, but I don't trust Kroll in a late-inning situation. I don't, trust, I don't trust most of the bullpen at this point, but I sure as hell don't trust him unless we're getting blown out or for some reason we've decided to score more than five runs. And That name in itself just sounds like something you... Ian Kroll. Gag. You want to stay away from. Oh, it's Kroll. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, it sounds like some... I've got the Kroll. Yeah, it sounds like some... Poor like uh, pastry or something that was made secondhand <laughs> by somebody. Can I get that crawl on the back <laughs> yeah. bottom third shelf there? Exactly, please. Yeah, so that's uh, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that is my bedwetter of the week. All right, good stuff. Yep. So that wraps us up for today's episode. What's this episode like? Eight. This is episode eight. Nice. Um, if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at ATL Zone Sports. Facebook, Atlanta Zone Sports Podcast. Um, tell your friends if you love the show and want to hear two drunks rant about Atlanta sports each week. We'd really appreciate it if you think they would be into it. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one and hospitality soap. Go Hawks.